Joining us on the program today, we have Joe Dorman. He's with the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy, our good friend Joe Dorman. How are you doing, Joe? I'm doing well, sir. It's good to hear your voice again. And uh, yours as well. So I uh, uh, just wanted to get you back on the radio and extol the virtues of uh, your organization. You've been there five or six years now, a little longer maybe? September will be my six-year anniversary, and it's been a wonderful uh, time getting to work on kids' issues here at OICA. And uh, you've really made some progress up there in uh, being a liaison for kids at the state level. And I uh, wanted to talk initially about uh, what you guys do for folks that might not uh, know what OICA is all about. Absolutely. Uh, uh, talking a little bit about OICA, we were created in 1983 as a result of a lawsuit against the Department of Human Services. The uh, Terry D. lawsuit was brought forth by Legal Aid of Western Oklahoma with seven teenage plaintiffs who uh, were incarcerated under DHS at that time. There was no separation like what we have today. O the Office of Juvenile Affairs and DHS were combined into one omnibus agency back then. And the kids were exposed to horrific conditions, including uh, horrible treatment by state employees in the worst imaginable possible uh, situation. One of the uh, plaintiffs from that lawsuit, in fact, the only living plaintiff remaining, uh, serves on our board, Laura Choate. And the work that we do through those 39 years, the work we've done through those 39 years, uh, has been watching the policies that go through the state capitol, recommending uh, changes based upon data, uh, what other states are doing well, and trying to move Oklahoma into a better place for treatment of kids. And uh, I, I know you follow uh, the state legislature every session, and so we're going to talk about uh, some of the measures that have come through here this year that uh, you were proud to probably uh, get, get some great support for. So uh, just wanted to, uh, again, have you come on and talk about uh, some of the things that you guys are doing and just talk about some new things that uh, have come along over the last year or so. Absolutely. Well, over this last session, we felt it was a very productive session. We had a lot of champions in the legislature. In fact, OICA does a report card at the end of session, and you're going to get to hear the uh, the initial results. They have not been made public yet, so we're announcing them here, and I'm proud to announce that our very own Dick Lowe, uh, for that represents our area, is one of our valedictorians in the House, and then Jessica Garvin, the senator from uh, the Marlowe and Duncan area, who also represents part of Grady County, uh, she was one of our Senate valedictorians. So Grady County has some great representation going as far as the treatment of children. Uh, we had, I believe it was eight valedictorians with a 105 score in the House and 11 in the Senate. And it was just fantastic to see the, the scores that were the 105s, the 100s, the 95s. Uh, the work that was done by lawmakers this year, while we certainly wish there could have been some better things happen and some of the bills would have moved forward, uh, usually in election years there's a lot of uh, response to knee-jerk reactions. Uh, you'll have some lawmakers that will file bills that may sound good but could have long-term impact that would be negative for kids. And so working with those lawmakers, sitting down, not casting stones, but actually sitting down, having a conversation with them, and explaining where the problems are. Fortunately, most of our lawmakers will listen to that and either try and fix the problem in the bill or pull it after you visit it. And we, 
we've got a great working relationship with Democrats and Republicans, senators and representatives, and it's been fun to be able to continue doing things like that from when I served in the legislature to now working with lawmakers and trying to improve conditions. Yeah, we spoke uh, with Representative Lowell just a, a week or so ago, and and you know, as a freshman lawmaker, he's uh, made a lot of headway in just his first couple of years, and uh, and he talks about you just got to you know uh, discuss things and. Uh, iron out your differences, and it's all about a compromise in the end. It really isn't. Uh, Representative Lowe, uh, while I served in the legislature, was one of my constituents, and I enjoyed working with his family. His son Colin paged for me at the Capitol. And for your listeners, if you have high school students or no high school students, encourage them to go apply to be a page. They get to go to work at the Capitol for a week and learn the process by uh, being an employee of the Capitol for that Monday through Thursday. That's what got me started. Ray Giles, our senator back in the day, uh, he gave a page spot to me through a 4-H award, and that helps encourage these young people to get more engaged in the process. And I've enjoyed working with Dick through the years, and uh, he's been a great pleasure to work with at the Capitol, uh, now in this new role where we get to visit about issues. It's funny, he comes up to me and laughs. Uh, he said, I didn't realize everything you went through, and now I'm getting to walk in those <laughs> shoes. And so, uh, I've also been able to probably be a sounding board for him in some cases. I'm sure, I'm sure. So uh, well, let's talk about some of the, the legislation that uh, you were able to get through and uh, what it means for our kids. Absolutely. One of the big projects we worked on this year was in conjunction with the American Heart Association and a program out of Tulsa called Hunger-Free Oklahoma that's a statewide program. They administer uh, the Double Up Oklahoma program, or DUO. And what this does is it provides an additional incentive, financial incentive, for people on the SNAP list, uh, food stamps in the old days, but now it's more regulated and can be tracked through an EBT card. Those individuals, uh, if there's a participating grocery store or farmer's market, they can get up to a $20 reimbursement for purchasing fresh fruits and vegetables with their SNAP card rather than junk food or canned products that may be heavy in sodium or not as healthy. So some of these locally grown things, like watermelon, if they will go in and buy that fresh, they will get that financial incentive, and it helps uh, build those better behaviors. It helps improve their health. Uh, it will cut down on obesity rates all around. It's great for the individual, but then it's also great for the local grocery store to increase business, and it's great for those local producers to be able to sell more of their products like that. And so it's a win all around. The legislature put in, for the first time, state funding to support this program. It's been running privately for the last few years with a federal match, and now the state is putting in some additional money. TSET is putting in some additional money over a three-year period. And hopefully that's going to help more grocery stores qualify. It's not available in the large chains like uh, some of the package stores, but it's geared more for those mom-and-pop local grocery stores right now because of the cost, because there's simply not enough money to run it in every store. Uh, so you see a lot of homelands, a lot of smaller stores will uh, participate in this. And the increased uh, co uh, consumer numbers of, for example, the homeland in Okima, they had to buy an extra refrigerated unit for fresh fruit, and they had to hire an additional person to help cut up fresh fruits and package it. So 
been great for the local economy, and we're glad to see that grow and improve. Hopefully, uh, purchasing power in some of these communities where the duo program is available. Now, for those that uh, don't know uh, Joe Dorman's history, of course, uh, he was a state representative out of the Rush Springs area, well known for its watermelons, and uh, we're getting ready for the Watermelon Festival coming up in just a, uh, a couple of months. That's exactly right. Uh, you're forever a chairman of the Watermelon Festival, <laughs> even if you right. don't hold the title. I got to serve as the chair and co-chair of that over about a four-year period. Uh, the only break I got was when I ran for governor, and they gave me permission to not run the festival <laughs> while I was running for governor. <laughs> and the festival was a lot harder than <laughs> than running for governor. When you've got a small-town festival, and you got a town of 1,200 people, and you have 30,000 people show up in that one day alone to uh, come to spend the day in your community and, and enjoy some the fresh, homegrown watermelon, um, it's always uh, uh, warms your heart to uh, see that, and and really, there's nothing that needs to be warmed more uh, on that day because it's almost always <laughs> one of the hottest days in August, that no second doubt. Saturday of August. But if you if you live in the listening area and you've never attended the Watermelon Festival, you're missing out. And we confirmed it just this week that Lieutenant Governor Matt Pinnell is going to be the person who cor- uh, who does the coronation for the Watermelon Queen, and our Tiny Tots. And so we're really looking forward to having Matt come down to Rush Springs. Uh, he's a Tulsa boy, but we're looking forward to him coming down and visiting the, uh, the festival and spending some time in southwest Oklahoma. We've talked to Lieutenant Governor Pinnell several times over the last couple of years, and uh, just, of course, he promotes uh, uh, the local festivals, the Watermelon Festival, the Rattlesnake Festivals, uh, all the little festivals around the town, uh, around the state, uh, that promote local tourism and generate business for local business, uh, generate businesses for local companies and things. Uh, I want to brag about him too on something with kids as well. Uh, he has taken charge of the issue of childhood obesity in the state, and has been working to coordinate a healthy kids coalition, where there have been regular meetings with state agencies and nonprofit leaders. And it has been a great pleasure to work with him over the last year on trying to look at where we face problems and trying to improve conditions for these kids, get them more physical education opportunities, get them involved in after-school activities, get them healthier uh, food to eat. Uh, Matt has really been a champion for this, and I've enjoyed working with him on this, and I'm really glad that he's in that role. Let's talk about uh, another piece of legislation uh, that uh, you were supporting this year. So there were several different things that went through this year. Uh, we were looking at some things. The last year was a fantastic session for mental health issues, and we had some true champions that were out there working. And unfortunately, there were some bills that didn't make it through. Uh, Carol Bush, who's a ret- uh, retiring member from Tulsa, served six years, and really decided that uh, – she didn't want to continue serving the legislature. She had some other opportunities available for her. She has run several things uh, trying to improve uh, the conditions for people who may experience uh, uh, some kind of childhood trauma like assault or uh, something bad would happen to them and extend the time that would allow for an individual to feel comfortable enough to bring a charge against someone. That bill didn't make it through, but she did work on some other issues. One of the bills that I carried when I was in the legislature was to allow for child witness testimony 
for kids up to the age of 12 do not have to sit on the stand and be stared down by the alleged assaulter or person who committed a crime against him. My bill would allow for courtrooms to be able to do a closed-circuit testimony with the attorney in another room uh, asking questions. And so the the child uh, oftentimes will not be able to keep control of things, and they're, they're just scared of that person who's already done something bad to them. So this would hopefully take that out where there's still a fair time in court for the individual who has been charged, but there won't be a burden on that child and create additional trauma. Carol carried legislation this year to change it from age 12 up to age 18. And so we were fully supportive of that bill, and I think it's going to allow for greater justice in the courtrooms to make sure that bad people get locked up. Yeah, definitely. It's scary enough for adults sometimes to testify, let alone a little kid. Yeah. And then also another one, there was a rewrite of the juvenile code uh, from two, uh, two Western Oklahoma guys, Senator Brent Howard and Representative Anthony Moore. They carried Senate Bill 217, which would rewrite the juvenile code and modernize a lot of things. Uh, Anthony was our freshman Republican lawmaker of the House last year, and uh, Senator Howard, who has been the chair of the Judiciary Committee and is now working in a different committee capacity, both of them have been staunch supporters of, of changing the laws to make sure that we have a better statutes in place for juvenile justice. So, and pretty much all the lawmakers I've mentioned have been Republican lawmakers. We've got some great Democratic champions as well. Um, it's been a pleasure have in fact in the Senate, uh, three of our valedictorians were Senate President Pro Tempore Greg Treat, who's the leader of the Senate, the appropriations chair of the Senate, Roger Thompson, and then Democratic leader Kay Floyd, Senator from Oklahoma City. So when you see the top Democrat and the top Republican both scoring the highest marks you can get, that that tells me that children's issues aren't partisan and that Hopefully, we've got people working together to support these bills. Uh, what's uh, your status on maybe any ARPA funds for programs or anything? Is that something you've been looking at? or? Absolutely. We've been strong supporters of the ability to use ARPA funds for children's policy. The appropriations chairs have all but guaranteed there is going to be more money that goes into child care, which is great for the business side and families. When we have quality child care, that means individuals can go back to work and ensure that their kids are in a top-notch child care facility where they're learning instead of just being babysat. And we need to increase that. Uh, Oklahoma was the first state in the nation to have a three-star rating for child care facilities. And so we've been trying to encourage more of that, trying to get more three-star facilities and certainly more two-stars over the one-stars and get those all throughout the state. We have that problem just like with everything else where it's harder to get those resources into the areas outside of Oklahoma City and Tulsa. And that's one of the things I've enjoyed with this job is making sure that rural parts of the state outside the metro are not forgotten. And so we're hoping some of these ARPA dollars will go to throughout the state to support improvements in child care. Uh, the lawmakers have committed a large amount of that money will go to child care. And also point out the lawmakers have called themselves back into a special session to put greater controls on the ARPA funding. So we're waiting to see what those bills will look like, where the legislative branch and the executive branch will be more engaged together on trying to ensure some of these 
funds are spent in the right ways. And so we're waiting to see what happens. And then the governor has called the legislature back into a special session on June 13th. He vetoed some of the funding in the main appropriations bill, saying he wanted to take money away, like the $75 rebate they were going to give to individuals or the $150 rebate to uh, couples for uh, uh, sales tax checks, yep. so to speak. Yep. They're, uh, they're, uh, he vetoed that, and he's wanting to do a grocery tax reduction. And so we're waiting to see what the lawmakers will do with that. Uh, Greg Treat, who I've mentioned, is the Republican leader of the Senate, and Emily Virgin, who's the Democratic leader of the House, both of them were championing a reduction in the grocery taxes. Now, one thing I want to point out, as a former city council member in Rush Springs, local communities rely on sales taxes. And so those services like police, fire, trash collection, they're reliant on those grocery taxes and those sales taxes. So the state is going to eliminate their portion but the communities will still need to have that in place if people want to continue receiving those services. So it's important for individuals to remember that. If you want good services, you've got to pay for it through those local sales taxes at the at the municipal level. So there were provisions put in place that would allow the cities to continue charging sales taxes, but essentially what it will do is it will probably cut a, a big percentage off of those sales taxes to allow people a little bit more spending power at this local stores. Uh, big deal right now with uh, the inflation uh, rate as it is. Uh, wanted yeah. to talk about uh, this kid governor uh, program. Yes, we've got some big events coming up, and we only have one local. I want to come back to that. Okay. But our kid governor program is going to be our our premier program. It's a project that we've been running for nearly six years at OICA. Uh, we started off as a partnership with Sunbeam Family Services, and then we took it over completely about four years ago. In the past, we've allowed individual youth, ages 10 to 12, to apply for the position of kid governor, and our board would select, based on a video and an interview, which young person would be our spokesperson for children's issues and serve as our kid governor, and then the runners-up would be the kid cabinet. We found out there was a national program called the Kid Governor Program that we signed up, and Oklahoma is going to be the fourth state affiliate. Uh, it's right now in Connecticut and Oregon and New Hampshire, I think, is the fourth one, or uh, the third one, and Oklahoma will be fourth. What will happen is they prepare lesson plans that we will send to fifth-grade classes, and the fifth graders will go through a few days during that hour or so when they're dedicated to civics learning, and learn about the role of elected officials, learn about how people vote, the rules and laws behind voting. And during this, the class will have the chance to nominate one of their classmates to be the kid governor. They will put together a one-minute video talking about an issue that they want to see change in Oklahoma to improve the lives of children. They'll send those videos in, and our board will narrow it down to the top seven. We will prepare a ballot and send the seven videos back to all the classes that participate, those fifth graders. And then the students will get to vote from their peers uh, which of those seven should be the kid governor. Whoever the winner is will do uh, a swearing-in ceremony and an inauguration, and then that young person will serve for the year as our kid governor spokesperson. The six finalists will serve as the kid cabinet, and then every child who's nominated by the class will have the chance to serve as the youth mayor of their community in a partnership with the Oklahoma Municipal League. 
And so we're encouraging fifth grade teachers check this out. Uh, we were very pleased. Governor Stitt and Superintendent Hoffmeister both have endorsed the program uh, with kind words, encouraging uh, schools and the parents and the teachers to participate in this program and get the kids more educated about their right to vote when they turn 18 and why it's so important. So this is going to start this fall? It will start this fall. It's going to kick off in August. It will be completely free for the schools. The program overall is going to cost us about $65,000 to do this for all the schools in the state. We're hoping to provide a stipend for at least some of the teachers who participate. And we had an event a couple of weeks ago with five of the former Oklahoma governors uh, and their first spouses. So Governor Nye and Donna and Governor Walters and Rhonda, uh, Governor Keating and Kathy, uh, Governor Fallon and Wade, and Governor Henry and Kim, uh, they all came together and did a fundraiser for OICA for our Kid Governor Program, and we were just thrilled at the response. And to raise half of the money we needed from one event it was just such a fun time, and I believe it was the first time all those governors have come together for an event for a nonprofit like that. And we have, of course, one former governor who uh, is having some health issues who wasn't able to attend. So uh, teachers should uh, reach out to maybe go to the OICA website, or how would they find out more about this? That's absolutely right. Go to OICA.org to learn more about that program, or you can Google Kid Governor and learn more about the national program. Uh, they can reach out to me on our website or our Facebook page, and we can certainly educate them more about it. We have an email that's available for educators uh, called Chalk the Vote. It's a program we run on Facebook and through email that provides information to educators about voting rights, about health and well-being issues in schools, and we've been promoting the Kid Governor Project through that. And so we're going to kick it off very hard in August, uh, as soon as the school year begins. And then the program will run in October, uh, running in, uh, to coincide with the state elections. And then we'll do the inauguration uh, when we come back for our uh, spring conference, our legislative learning lab, and welcome in our new kid governor. Our current one, Charlotte Anderson, has been a two-term kid governor. She has been wonderful. And our previous kid governor, Luke Peterson, both of them were at our fundraiser, and they just did a fantastic job. And they've been great spokespersons for the organization. So how often would the cabinet meet, and then how often would the kid governor make, a, say, a, a recorded announcement or a public appearance or anything like that? Is there, like, a schedule so, they have to follow? or No, uh, it, we work with the families and try and keep the kid governor as busy as they possibly can. Charlotte has spoken at each of our events. Uh, she worked with the health department to shoot some videos uh, during COVID and then revolving around child fitness and health issues. And so they've kept her really busy. Luke, uh, when he was kid governor, had a chance to go place a wreath at the at the uh, uh, at Arlington Cemetery uh, a few years ago. And so we work with the families to try and keep it within their means of what they can do. And then we provide, a, with this new program, we're going to provide a little bit of a travel stipend uh, with prices the way they are these days. We want to make sure that it's not a prohibitive thing because of price where these kids can't participate in those activities and we're just excited about this and anybody wants to get involved if any businesses want to be sponsors of that they can certainly reach out to our organization as well because we still do have to raise another 30,000 or so to make sure that the program runs the way we want it anything else coming up this summer 
yes, we're going to have an event in Rush Springs at Rosewood Inn, which if folks don't know, Rosewood Inn is a bed and breakfast in Rush Springs. It's, I believe, the oldest freestanding hotel that's been converted into a bed and breakfast in the state of Oklahoma. Krista Porter uh, has been running that. She came in, bought the old hotel, and converted it into a bed and breakfast. And it's just one of those uh, gems in southwest Oklahoma. She and some of our friends from Rush Springs are going to put together a brunch on Saturday, July 9th, and we're going to cap it at 50 people, and we're going to do it outside in the garden at Rosewood Inn. We're going to have Bob Burke and Terry Smith, who have written a book about the history of the Department of Human Services in Oklahoma. They will be there to talk about their brand-new book, which will uh, be open for purchase by the public in July. And then Laura Choate, who I'd mentioned before, one of the plaintiffs in the Terry D. lawsuit, she's prominently mentioned in this book. She will also be there to talk about some of her history and the work that she's doing now with things like OICA. And so people won't want to miss this because it's going to give you a good picture into what OICA does, the work that we do to support kids. And you can reach out to us or you can contact Rosewood Inn for purchasing a ticket. But it's going to be a fun event and a very educational event. It'll have a heavy topic to it, but you're going to walk away appreciating more the need for child advocacy. Wanted to mention that uh, the organization is a nonprofit? Yes, we are a 501c nonprofit, and we've been working uh, on issues. And a lot of people think you can't engage in policy and work that's considered political as a nonprofit. And that's not true. You can spend up to 20% of your budget on issues with policy. You just can't endorse candidates. So we don't endorse any elected officials in their elections, but we highlight where they have been good actors or where they've not really measured up, like our report card. And so we've enjoyed being outside the electoral politics, but engaging in the policy and uh, so a lot of the work that we do is supported by uh, different donors from around the state. And it is really, for me, I'm I'm so thankful that the people I got to work with when I was a state representative living in Rush Springs and representing Grady County, Cotton, Caddo, Stevens, uh, Comanche, those folks have continued to support the work. Uh, some great folks there in Chickasha who continue to work with OICA. Uh, we've got Mike Day and Rick Johnson with State Farm who have been great supporters. We've got Hank Ross with his, uh, with his uh, program that allows the doctor to be on call and come visit. And it's just a pleasure to work with folks like that. Stanley Systems has been fantastic. In fact, the vice president of our organization is Amanda Mullins, an attorney there in Chickasha. So continuing that, that work where I grew up and having a chance to work with those folks, uh, it's been a great pleasure for me. Joe Dorman, the Executive Director for the Oklahoma Institute for Child Advocacy, joining us on our program today. Joe, thanks so much. We'll see you later. All right. Thank you, George. It's been a pleasure to visit with you.